Welcome to the Chicago Justice Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Siska. I'm also Executive Director of the Chicago Justice Project. You can find out more about what we do at chicagojustice.org. If you want to get involved, you can get involved through our nation program, which you can find out at cjpnation.org. There's also inform- contact information forms you can fill out and we'll get back to you if you want to get involved. So today we are covering a few different topics. We're going to bring back an oldie but a goodie. Officer James Hunt once again makes it back to the pod. That Chicago police officer, James Hunt, you're going to not be shocked by what he's previously done, but what actions the city has finally taken, why he was on the street for as long as he was, is anyone's guess. Then we talk about an article from BEZ about the cost of the work that anti-violence workers do, not to about what it, how much they should be paid, but the toll that it takes on them to do this work and to see the violence and dealing with the people with the PTSD and the families and seeing the violence firsthand. And then we're going to finish up on Mayor Lori Lightfoot, her take on carjackings and how she's blaming remote learning. If one thing Mayor Lightfoot is phenomenal at, it is pointing fingers. So that'll be the last piece we dig into today. We're going to start with uh, Officer James Hunt. This is brought to us by a story from CBS2, Brad Edwards, Carol, Carol Thompson, Sama Assad, and Chris Hacker. And if you don't remember who James Hunt is, he's the officer you're about to hear here. Two motherfuckers? Huh? You say you're trying to shoot motherfuckers? No, I killed motherfuckers. Are you they killed motherfuckers? motherfuckers out here today. And you just tried to hit me with the hey, car? Don't try to film me, dude, all right? If you want to do the bullshit? I'm just too, saying. Nobody lock you up and walk in the street. I'm walking across the street. Illegally. I'm walking across the street and I'm recording. Illegally. No, it's not. Bye. You say you shoot Bye. people and kill people? No. Oh, yes, you did. It's on yeah, camera, bro. We got your homie on camera saying it already. Right, he said the shit. He just said that. You know you on camera with your dumb ass, bro. You dumb as hell, bro. Watch your camera. Don't deal, bro. Don't deal, bro. Don't deal. 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 Well, we gonna walk with you. I'm gonna walk with you all day. Come on. We gotta melt to the park. Hey, let's go. Me too. Let's go. Hey. We're going to play at the park. Hey, y'all, uh, y'all see him hey, trying to kick up, it with us? You see him trying to kick it with us? Oh, hey, damn, yeah. You want to oh, know, know the good news, though? What's up? Illinois is a two-party consent state, and I don't consent to you recording me. So I'm recording myself. I'm on Snapchat. Hey, that's cool. I'm recording myself. That's you cool. hopped in the camera. You said, what's You're up? Walking. Oh, all right. I'm just walking. I'm going to walk next to you. I'm just, this is my project for college. You tripping, what too? man? You that's a now you just harassed me. Are you tripping? You, you just, hit my shoe, bro. You just hit me. You hit my shoe. You don't even know mom. Watch out. You don't even oh, know my mom's boyfriend, a sergeant. Call him. Call him right now. Tracy, call him. Call him. You just tripped. Call him. Call him. You don't even got your name tag. It's Hunt 11442. There you go. Why you? Watch out. Stop. You're walking in my way. I'm not. Go right there. Get it from right there. Excuse me. I already said it. I already said it. Put it on camera. Put it on camera. You touching my phone? What you doing? Put it on camera. What you? Yep, that's him. He kills people. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that exactly how you want a Chicago justice, I mean, a Chicago police officer to respond to citizens on the street talking about how he kills all, he kills bastards, trying to tone down his language some. Isn't that amazing? Well, so that audio you heard was from an incident that was streamed, I believe, live on Snapchat from July 2018. 
Now, Officer Hunt has been on the street since that time. Doesn't mean they aren't investigating him, but they allowed him to keep his police powers. Now, stripping an officer is traditionally only done when you are, have reason to believe that they did what the allegation alleges and that if it is sustained to those findings, you are going to seek to fire the officer. In my opinion, what he is saying on this tape, he later, by the way, arrests the young man recording him, falsely arrests him, I should say. He does arrest him eventually. And that's an old CPD tactic. When you know you're in the crap and you've done bad, you have to arrest the person and make it seem like they're less credible of a source of the complaint. Now, how we thought he was going to do that, considering it was all caught on video, I have no idea. But it cost the city a $100,000 settlement. Remember that the city pays out a hundred grand. Officer James Hunt stays on the street, does not lose his job. In my view, ladies and gentlemen, what was on that tape, what is on that video, and you can get to the link of the, there will be a link to the video that's on YouTube on our website when the pod gets posted. You can go to our website, get the link, go to YouTube and watch it for yourself. He should have been fired. So what is a little bit about Officer Hunt's background? Well, in the seven years on the force from 2014 to 2020, he only has amassed 24 complaints. And I say only because he's blowing away the record or what is very close to the record of the president of the Chicago FOP, John Cotton who has 50 complaints over 23 years. If you get this out, he's looking at around 70, 75 complaints over his 23 years. I don't think Hunt's going to last 23 years, and we'll get to that in a minute. In a five-year period from 2016 to 2020, Hunt has 28 uses of force reports that he's written. 28 uses of force. It's unbelievable. Why is this guy still on the job? Now, the story in CBS is him actually getting finally put on desk duty. And you're like, hurrah. Well, it isn't for the 2018 incident. It's for another one. So let's check in with the article. What has Mr. Officer Hunt done? Or what is he alleged to have done? This complaint was filed on May 30th, 2020. About two years, um, almost two years after the initial one that we've talked about. So what happens when you leave people on the street like this that should not be cops. They're just going to keep racking up complaints and you know, doing misconduct to the citizens of Chicago. So let's go to the article. The same week that a Minneapolis, Minneapolis cop murdered George Floyd, the woman said she got caught up, the victim, up in a large crowd while driving downtown on May 30th, 2020. She said there was a lot of commotion and that she tried to get away from the area. That's when she saw officers approaching her car. She said one of them broke her back passenger side window and there was glass flying everywhere in her car, unquote. And she got out of her car she said the same officer began wrestling with her for her phone. She was recording the entire incident. Wow. Yep. This is what happens when you leave people on the street that shouldn't be happening. Copa completed the investigation into the May 30th incident, December 21. December 2021. 
So it took 12, what is that, five, seven. So it took like 19 months. God, we either got to fire everyone at COPA or quadruple their, their budget. These investigations got to get done quicker. Now, here's the crux about why Hunt was stripped of his police powers and put on desk duty. Check this out. Back to the article. Hunt applied to become a FTO, a field training officer, meaning he gets an extra pay and he trains, helps train new cadets out of the academy. Isn't this the guy you want training cops? CPD's field training officer application indicates that a field training officer's duties are to instruct probationary police officers in the following law enforcement subject areas, which include ethics, community engagement, arrest procedures, use of force, and verbal communication, among other things. Hunt had to apply for the career move in November 2021, pass a test held in December, and then be selected for the training and suspensions of more than seven days during the previous 12 months. So you could have 50 suspensions of six days or less and you are perfectly fine. Point two, there had, they had three or more sustained complaint investigations resulting in any suspension in the past five years. Okay. Shouldn't one be enough? Do we really want someone who's suspended, who gets a suspension, training future officers? Hunt did not meet the criteria for ineligibility because he has not served any suspensions recently. COPA recommended a 365-day suspension for the Kenneth Lee Park incident, the one you heard earlier, but that was back in 2019. Hunt filed a grievance and is still currently fighting that recommendation that recommended disciplinary action through arbitration. He has yet to serve any of that suspension. A ruling from that arbitration hearing is expected soon. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, he got a year suspension. Two years later, he still hasn't served a day. Now, remember, especially when we talked to Catherine Large recently about a report that we did about how bogus the complete police complaint and disciplinary system is here, 75%, over 20 years, ladies and gentlemen, over 20 years, 75% of the allegations, the, the discipline, let me back up, that's the allegations, the discipline handed down to officers who then go seek arbitration, seek to overrule it, 75% are either reduced or completely eliminated and, and expunged from their record. How is this guy still a cop? When you talk about the police accountability system not working, this is how they don't work. Last but not least, let's get to 50 complaint John Contanzaro, a former police officer who's about to be fired, so he resigned and he's still FOP president for this term, but he can't run again. This is back to the article. John Contanzaro, the president of Chicago's Police Union, there are president of the Chicago Police Union, there are more than one union, but told CBS2 it's despicable that CPD stripped Hunt of his police powers the day before the training was to start. Kanzar said the only reason CPD made the move was to prevent Hunt's promotion and called police administration vindictive. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, remember what he said. He got a 365-day suspension. And then he's got this other complaint. And by the way, he's got like 21 other complaints besides these that we've talked about in his six or seven years on the job, seven years on the job. And Kanzara thinks he should be an, uh, a field training officer. Vindictive, how about clueless? You're clueless, Mr. Kanzara. I mean, he's utterly, endlessly, unbelievably corrupt. 
instead of standing up for the people of Chicago and, and the parts of his membership that don't have incredibly horrific disciplinary histories and say, you know what, he should not, we need to, we need to, you know, jiggle, change, alter how FTOs are selected. And this guy shouldn't be an FTO. He's got a right to keep his job. Although I don't think so. He should have been fired, but they, they haven't moved to fire him, but he shouldn't be an FTO. If Kanzar ever worked in interest of the majority of his membership, this is what he would say, but he's incapable of it. So that's Officer James Hunt. Still hasn't served a day for his 2018 incident, or he's got 21 other incidents in his background, and he's still pending an investigation into or what the discipline is going to be on this current um, current incident with this woman. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me just say for the record, that discipline has that recommendation for discipline, which means they have sustained findings, was delivered to the superintendent in December 2019. What the hell is David Brown, the incompetent, the proven liar? We've proved it in our research. You can look at our website, search David Brown, you'll get the articles about him. We've proven that he was found guilty of lying multiple times in an internal investigation. What is he doing? How long does it take those incompetent people in his office to review this discipline? Either COPA is wrong or they're right. If they're right, then hand down the discipline. If they're wrong, then fight it. But do something. It shouldn't be the middle of February and we're still waiting for discipline to be handed down when you got it. I don't even care if you got it December 31st of, of 2021. Your recommendation and response should have already been delivered. Horrible. Let's move on. The next segment is an article from Patrick Smith from WBEZ. The, titled Heavy Costs for Chicago's Anti-Violence Workers. Let me start out right at the beginning. I don't think it's a bad article. I think it's a pretty good article, generally. But they're missing the bigger picture here, ladies and gentlemen. My response to this article is, of course, it's basically throwing lambs to slaughter, ladies and gentlemen. The city, Mayor Lightfoot, and much of the police hierarchy, the police the police hierarchy, the hierarchy of the city, the political class, they don't want to do what they have to do to change circumstances in these communities for real to stop the violence. Right? So basically, the push over the last couple of years is to fund this, and over several years, is to been fund more outreach anti-violence work. And while that work is great and it should be done, it is just another band-aid, just as the cops in the criminal justice system are. They don't really change the fundamental circumstances in these communities. So there is just going to be more and more and more violence. And it's just going to be endless. And yes, do the anti-violence workers have an impact? They sure do. Are they going to have a, are they going to solve the situation? Absolutely not. So it's not a bad story. It just fails to talk about how it's an absolute, unprecedented, unbelievable Band-Aid on the problems. We're switching from a solo being the police dancer to the police and these anti-violence outreach workers, which are great, except neither one and even combined, they're not going to make the difference we want them to make. Does it mean they don't help anyone? Of course they do. Right? Even Biden's talked up that work. And that um, should tell you all by the by itself about how useless this response is or how it's not, I should say useless, but how it's not aimed to actually change the circumstances in these communities. Because in the underlying reality is, and CJP and myself have stated this over and over and over again, it's all about poverty. 
Biden really doesn't want to have anything really to do with it. This uh, city, the state infrastructure, Pritzker, the people before him, no interest. The city infrastructure, Mayor Lightfoot, Rahm Emanuel, Richard Daly, and all those before him, except for maybe Harold, but maybe, only maybe, have no really interest in um, solving it. It's just the way it goes. So let's get a little bit to the article. There's an expectation that street inter intervention can deliver the neighborhood safety that we are so desperately, that we so desperately needed, Bolkanagra said. And this is the a professor at University of Illinois, Chicago, and the Jane Adams School of Social Work. She is the wife of Eddie Bolkanegra, who's been on this show. He used to run Ready Chicago, R-E-D-I, a program. Um, that deals with anti-violence work in Chicago. And I know Eddie was just mentioned by President Biden and had some communications with them. I think it was at the White House. I'm not sure if he's working on the White House. But Eddie said on our live stream show and on our podcast, back when we interviewed him and someone from CP4P in Chicago, cred, they're Band-Aids, right? So I wanted to give you a little, it's a little context around uh, Professor Bocanegra. But she continues, but the question that haunts me for the last decade is at what cost? And are we saving one life and are we destroying another person's life? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The, it's not like the anti-violence workers aren't having an impact. They are. But of course, there's an impact to them to doing the work. Because once again, that you're not empowering them with the solutions. They have slightly more, a, a slightly larger range of tools to bring to bear in these communities than police officers, but not that much. Once again, these anti-violence workers do not, do not build schools. They don't build businesses. They don't create jobs. They don't. So this idea that you think that anyone thinks that these anti-violence workers are going to be the cure to these violence issues and bring the kind of community neighborhood safety that we all, many of us want, is just wrong. It's exploitative. It's lambs to slaughter. And for some of these anti-violence workers, I think some of them for sure have a lot more personally invested than some of the cops that work in these neighborhoods, but only slightly more of the tools and none of the real long-term solutions we thought we would hope they would have. That's a reality. So yes, these people are getting chewed up in that work. Right. And that's horrific and sad, but you know, look at Mayor Lightfoot. She keeps touting, oh, we're going to throw all this money in anti-violence work. And that's great. But I think Mayor Lightfoot up ROMs from $5 million to $36 million. That's wonderful. Yeah, you make a difference. Hundreds of thousands of people, residents in these communities need help. And $35 million ain't doing it. So they surveyed in this, as part of um, their work, Professor Bocanegra, they surveyed some outreach workers, 36 to be, okay? 75% 75%, 75% witnessed a traumatic death. Three quarters of them. 80% have at least one symptom of PTSD. Of course. 
Of course. I'm glad the survey was done, but of course. You're throwing people into some of the worst circumstances with only slightly more tools than the police and saying, come up, you're the solution. You be the solution. Of course, it's going to end horribly. And yes, they are, like I said, again, they're doing good work and they're making a difference in certain circumstances. But they're hardly the cure. And we're possibly, quite possibly, ruining the lives of some people that were, were sending in there and saying, fix all these problems with none of the, none of the tools at their disposal that'll come up with real solutions. Okay, our next piece, last piece for this pod. Lightfoot ties carjacking wave to remote learning. This is a piece from the Chicago Sun Times. And I want to get exactly who it is. is. This is Tom Shuba and Andy Boyle. Tom Shuba, I've talked about his work before. Never a huge, huge fan. One time, and one time only, it would be nice if the mayor had data on her side before she opened her mouth. Because it seems like not only is there a pandemic health-wise related to the coronavirus. In Chicago, we have a pandemic of a mayor speaking endlessly about things she knows that are completely contradicted by any and all the data. So what is this story about? It's the mayor blaming remote learning for the rising carjackings in Chicago. Now, if you pause and you think about it, it's like, yeah, the increasing of unsupervised youth, that probably makes some sense, right? You're going to be shocked to learn that the CTO slams the mayor for it. Neither one a truth burger. I mean, neither one of them are truth tellers, right? Neither the mayor and their propaganda, nor the CTU and their propaganda. So typical Chicago. The question would be, I wonder if there's data out there. What carjackings were like, what violence was like in Chicago in the first quarter of 2021, one of the first 80% of the first quarter before the pandemic really hit, and we knew of the pandemic, before it really hit Chicago. If only there was data the mayor could rely on before opening her mouth. But wait, miraculously, the Sun-Times found the data that the mayor's office, who runs like a, I don't know, multi-billion dollar city government, couldn't find. The question is, with all of this, is the mayor incompetent or is the mayor lying endlessly? Those are really the only two options. Neither one is good, right? So this is from the Sun-Times. City data shows through March 1st, 2020, weeks before students went remote, Chicago had recorded 148 carjackings, a 68% increase compared to 2019's 88 incidents during that time. So in two months, carjackings went up 68%. Now, as I've said multiple times, well, let's get to the rest of the data and then I'm going to get to 
little bit about how to interpret that. Most other violent crimes were also up significantly by that point in 2022. Compared to 2019, all violent crime victimizations were up almost 11%. Specifically, homicides were up 55%, shootings were up 36%, and robberies were up almost 15%. Remember, robberies is theft with violence or a threat of violence. You got to show a gun, push someone, threaten to hurt them. All right, so... Yes, it's a small window. The reality is violence was going up before the pandemic really hit us. Before remote learning took place. And I mean, it was up significantly. Now, once again, ladies and gentlemen, this seems to have been and seems to continue to be a nationwide issue. Not every city, but many cities are experiencing Homicide increases, gun violence increases, carjacking increases. Just like I have explained multiple times, the decline from the early 20s till about mid-2015 in most cities around the country are not because of the policies of 19 or 18, 19,000 individual police agencies and not from all the BS things that all these stupid lying politicians have done in all these different jurisdictions all over the country. It was something bigger than that. And anytime you hear someone say, oh, I know exactly why they're lying at least related to this, they're absolutely lying. Criminologists, we just talked to Professor Todd Clear from Rutgers University, the esteemed criminologist um, last week, I believe, in the pod. He doesn't know. They don't know what happened during that time period. We knew, and he knew, that that two-decade generational decline in crime and violence wasn't going to last. Something hit probably late in 2019, if not before that, nationwide, that started changing things. What we know for sure, despite Mary Lightfoot's propaganda to the contrary, it was not remote learning. Did remote learning help? I'm sure it didn't. But when you're looking at a 68% increase over the same time period, year after year, something's up. especially if it's all around the country, all around the same time, something is up. This is the mayor pointing fingers. The mayor should ask her flat out why she is so data challenged, right? This this is the Sun-Times busting her. Several weeks back, Annie Sweeney, and I don't remember the other journalist, I apologize, at the Tribune busted her about all her lying about bail reform because all her blabber and propaganda and lies and pointing fingers It's not supported by the data. It'd be interesting if someone to look at what is Lightfoot, when something comes out of her mouth or what has come out of her mouth over the last couple of years of administration related to crime and justice issues, what has she actually been right about? And then what has she actually done? Like she said occasionally, like rhetorically, things that would make lefties feel good and and why a lot of lefties voted for her, but she hasn't followed up in real life. Also in this piece, which I think is hilarious, this is such a, such a funny, sad story. The CPD just made their carjacking task force 24 hours a day. This is just as carjackings are starting to ease. Is that not the stupidest thing you've ever heard? 
It's so typical Chicago. That's why David Brown's a failure in Chicago. Mayor Lightfoot on these issues is a failure. You just turn your carjacking unit into a 24-hour around-the-clock um, group when, by the way, you um, carjackings are starting to go down around the country. You really can't make this shit up. Her timing and their timing, I guess, is uncanny. Um, I have to agree with the alt-right on this one. They they ripped Brown and Mayor Lightfoot for now, just finally making the task force around the clock. So there's only two reasons for not making it around the clock. The mayor and David Brown are both incredibly, unbelievably incompetent and cheap. That is certainly a possibility. Um, that certainly is the more likely thing. Or they're doing it for propaganda purposes to say they're they're fighting it. The mayor is uh, up for re-election in around a year. We have uh, midterms in November and city elections, I think, next February. So this is probably the mayor moving towards her re-election campaign. I might be—I don't know who her challenges are, but I don't see this her re-election campaign going well. I might be wrong, but on a whole variety of issues, um, she has problems. All right, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I really appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Remember, if you want to get involved, cjpnation.org. Or uh, if you want to check out, we just published today a piece on Mayor Lightfoot suing gang members. Um, so today as being, I'm recording on Tuesday, the 15th. So if you want to check that out, go to CJP. Uh, chicagojustice.org. The piece is titled Push to Sue Gang Members Draws Criticism. It's a really great piece um, by Alex. You can go check that out. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So follow us anywhere around there. And once again, if you want to get involved, cjpnation.org. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I will see you next week. Have a great day.